Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. The greatest fulfill, the greatest accomplishment, the greatest completion of the prophecy came when he accomplished, when he fulfilled God's redemption promise on the cross. And then he cries out, accomplished, or as it is in our Bible, finished in John 19.30. John 19.30, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished, it is accomplished, it is fulfilled, in other words. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. So he's starting his ministry here where we are in verse 17. And he says, I've come to fulfill. I've come to accomplish. And at the end of his ministry, his last words before he dies in John 19.30 is fulfilled, fulfilled. Now, just to make very clear that he has not come to destroy any of the law, he says in verse 18, verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass in the law till all be fulfilled. Now our Bible says jot, the Hebrew word is yod, yod, yod. Kind of similar to jot, but it's, anyways, yod. Yod is like if you were to look at a a quotation mark and just take one of those little things on the quotation mark, you know, know, just take that, right? That's what the yod looks like, sort of. And the tittle is actually smaller than a yod. There's a little extension that you make, like that you complete the eve of the roof on the Hebrew letter resh, the R, the resh. So if you just wanna make a little eve over here, just a little tiny eve on that way, that changes the whole letter to a D, the dalet. So the resh goes to a dalet with that little, little tiny extension at the top, and that's called the tittle, that's called the tittle. And so that information should greatly enrich your lives. (laughs) So, further emphasize the, the warning here he tells them that there's not gonna be any of those things that are changed. And then he proceeds to to warn them against breaking of any of the commandments, and now he moves into saying, uh, verse 19, whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever you're doing teach shall be called great. So now he's moving you know, just think of this like moving the Sherman tanks into position here when he gets, this, gets to this area, shall teach men so. Because now he's setting his sights, his cannon sights at the Pharisees. And he moves into taking a shot at the scribes and the Pharisees in the next verse, in verse 20, when he says, I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case 
enter into heaven. Forget about getting into heaven unless your righteousness goes beyond theirs. And here he starts with this phrase, I say unto you. So again, he's starting to use a phrase he's gonna use more and more as the battle lines are drawn here with, the, with him and the scribes and the Pharisees. He's saying, when he says, I say unto you, he's saying, I am not part of the Pharisees, of the, Pharisees the scribes of their system. I'm not part of their religious system. I'm not part of the system of the, the power uh, seat in Jerusalem. And because um, he knows that the power seat in Jerusalem is gonna condemn him to death, they're gonna kill him. But the fight is on for the souls of men. And this is very important. There's a chapter in the Old Testament that's very important in this regard, really, for the whole of the, Old, for the, whole of the New Testament, for all the life of the Lord. It's Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34 is a description of the fight that is on now and that is starting up here. Ezekiel 34 is very, very important. Because Ezekiel 34 draws the lines, the battle lines in verse one, Ezekiel 34, one. The word of the Lord came unto me saying, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy, say unto them, thus saith the Lord unto the shepherds, woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves, should not the shepherds feed the flocks. Eat the fat, you clothe you with the wool, you kill them that are fed, and you feed not the flock. The diseased have you not strengthened, neither have you healed that which was sick, neither have you bound up that which was broken, neither have you brought again that which was driven away, neither have you sought that which was lost. But with force and with cruelty have you ruled them. And they were scattered, scattered because there's no shepherd, they became meat to all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and upon every high hill. My flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth, and none did search or seek after them. Therefore, ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord as I live, saith the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey. My flock became meat to every beast of the field because there was no shepherd. Neither did my shepherds search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and fed not my flock. Therefore, ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord, Thus saith the Lord God, I am against the shepherds and I will require my flock at their hands and cause them to cease from feeding my flock. Neither shall the shepherds feed themselves anymore. For I will deliver my flock from their mouth and they may not be meat for them. For thus saith the Lord God, behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out as a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered. So will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them that of all the places where they've been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. Then he goes on in verse 15, Ezekiel 34, 15, he goes on. I will feed my flock. I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord God. I will seek that which was lost. Bring it again, that which was driven away, and will bind up that which was broken, strengthen that which is sick. I will destroy the fat and strong. I will feed them with judgment. And he finishes up this chapter in verse 30 and 31, Verse 30 and 31, thus shall they know that I, the Lord God, am with them, and that they, even the house of Israel, are my people, saith the Lord God, and ye my flock, and the flock of my pasture are men, and I am the Lord your God. So when he makes these statements, like in verse 22, Ezekiel 34, 22, he says, I will save my flock. And when he says that, that in verse 30, 
Ezekiel 34, 30, that the house of Israel are my people, 31, my flock. This is a fight that's described here in Ezekiel 34. This is a fight that he's moving into in Matthew 5. And people oftentimes ask the question, why was Jesus crucified? Why was he killed? And then you get to the, well, he, he, he didn't fall in line with the system. The way to understand why the Lord Jesus was crucified is to understand Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34 tells you why he was killed. He was killed in this great fight that's described in Ezekiel 34. This is a fight for, that, that resulted in him being killed. And so when he says these words in Matthew 5, I say unto you, the fight's on. And this is the start of the fulfillment of the prophecy of Ezekiel 34, which is a declaration in, in Ezekiel 34, 2, in verse 2, against the shepherds of Israel. Woe be to the shepherds of Israel. I, in verse 10, Ezekiel 34, 10, behold, I am against the shepherds. So the fight prophesied in Ezekiel 34 is over the Jewish people. And over and over again, throughout Ezekiel 34, the Lord Jesus states, I own them, I possess them. The Jewish people are, verse six, my people wandered. The Jewish people are, verse eight, my flock became a prey. My flock became meat. Verse eight, the Jewish people are, the shepherds fed themselves and fed not my flock. And then he says in verse 10, Ezekiel 34, 10, I will deliver my flock from their mouth. Verse 11, behold, I, even I, will search my sheep. Verse 12, so will I seek out my sheep. Verse 15, I will feed my flock. Verse 30, the house of Israel are my people. Verse 31, ye my flock. Verse 22, Ezekiel 34, I will save my flock. Verse 30, the house of Israel are my people. Verse 31, ye my flock and I'm your God. So much ownership in Ezekiel 34 of the Jewish people, his sheep and his flock, that have been scattered by the shepherds, starved by the shepherds, not cared for by the shepherds. And so with these words, I say unto you, which again he's gonna say in verse 20, Matthew 5, 20, I say unto you, he's out to recover his sheep from the shepherds. When he says in Ezekiel 34, 16, Ezekiel 34, 16, I will seek that which was lost, He's giving his life mission when he said in, in Luke 19.10, Luke 19.10, the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Ezekiel 34.16, I will seek that which was lost. Now, the bad shepherds are not going to give up the sheep easily, and there's gonna be a fight, and the fight, as I mentioned here, is just starting here in, in Matthew 5, Matthew 5. Matthew 5 is the voice of the true shepherd coming after his sheep. Matthew 5 is the voice of the jealous shepherd to recover his sheep. And so he must start by showing his sheep how they have been misled, mistaught, deceived by false shepherds. And he does this with these words you have heard, but I say unto you, which has a meaning of they say unto you, but I say unto you. So from Ezekiel 34, 11, when he says, behold, I, even I, will both search out my sheep and seek them. This was Jehovah Jesus saying, look, it's me. It's Jesus that has come out now 
and is searching out and finding a sheep. It's really me. That's what he's saying. And that meant that he was not gonna give up the, he was not gonna give the job of recovering a sheep to any angel or to any angels, but that he himself as Jehovah Jesus is gonna search him out, gonna find a sheep, and he's gonna start to save them, according to Ezekiel 34.22, 34.22, therefore will I save my flock. So this is the Lord God himself, speaking in Matthew 5. This is the God of Israel, who's now come as in human form as Jesus from Nazareth. He's on this mount of the sermon, and he's beginning to save his flock, the Jewish people, and it might take thousands of years, and it has, but he will save Israel from the mouth of the bad shepherds. That's what he said, that's what's going on. And as a matter of fact, all the gospels should be read with Ezekiel 34 in mind, with the great battle of God to save his Jewish people. That's how you understand the gospels. And then he says something in verse 20. He says, this, this, this was unbelievable. We can't imagine what the people were thinking when they heard verse 20. This was unbelievable in verse 20 when he says, your righteousness has to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. What? They view the scribes and Pharisees as at the highest level of keeping the law. You know, they wore the black flowing robes. They were the black flowing robes. You know, they were, they were davening all the time. They weren't davening all the time. You know, they were going to the synagogue so many times, they weren't going so many times. So they looked at the scribes and Pharisees, they're at the highest level. And then you're telling me that I have to exceed that in order to get into heaven? Now, obviously, he's talking about two righteousness, two righteousnesses. Because he's already said in verse 10, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And now he's saying in verse 20, except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. We are not talking about righteousnesses on the same wavelength here. This is a righteousness, and then the scribes and Pharisees have another righteousness. He's talking about two different righteousness. So in verse 20, he's called one righteousness, the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, and then he's referring to another righteousness when he says your righteousness, which is gonna result in persecution, in verse 10. So what's the difference between these two righteousnesses here? The righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees is a righteousness that's based on them obeying the traditions of the elders, which are all outward. They say nothing about your heart being right with God. It's just what you must do. It's a righteousness that's based on the tradition of the elders. It's, it's not based on the pure word of God. It's based on the interpretation of the elders of what the word of God is. The righteousness of scribes and Pharisees is a righteousness that Israel themselves talks about, the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, after they had followed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, when they said in Isaiah 64, 6, Isaiah 64, 6, we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We all do fade as a leaf. Our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. This is Israel saying to themselves, we followed the righteousness of the elders. We kept the Sabbath. We didn't need bacon. We didn't eat cheeseburgers. And all of this righteousnesses that we thought we were really doing it, they're filthy rags. That's our righteousnesses. Nothing but filthy rags. It's not true righteousness. And this is God saying about their own righteousness in Isaiah 57, 12. Isaiah 57, 12. 
I will declare thy righteousness and thy works. They shall not profit thee. You're not getting into heaven with them. Now, here in Matthew 5, he's the same Lord that said those things. And now he's in human form as Jesus. And he's saying again to them, your own righteousness is not going to profit you if it's the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. If it's that righteousness, then Matthew 5.20, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. No way you're getting to heaven. Because their own righteousness is a righteousness that is worked on to establish. They're establishing their own righteousness in Romans 10.3. Romans 10.3. They being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. See, there's two different righteousness here. That's their own righteousness. It's not God's righteousness that they're trying to establish. It's the righteousness that God talked about, as we saw in Isaiah 57, 12. Isaiah 57, 12. I will declare thy righteousness and thy works. I shall not profit thee. This is the righteousness which is referred to in Titus 3, 5. Titus 3, 5. Not by works of righteousness. Their righteousness is linked to their works. Whereas the other righteousness, which is God's righteousness, is different from man's righteousness. Man's righteousness is based on works. God's righteousness is based on Romans 4.6. Romans 4.6. David also describes the blessedness of man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed are the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. God's righteousness is without man's works. God's righteousness is based on God's forgiveness, God's covering of sins that makes, the sins make man unrighteous, he covers them. So God's righteousness is not based on works. God's righteousness is based on believing into the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, as Lord. This is where a person is made righteous by believing into and being in the Lord Jesus Christ, as he said in 2 Corinthians 5.21. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sins, that we might be made, that's an important word, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. In 1 Corinthians 1.30, 1 Corinthians 1.30, it says, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us righteousness. Righteousness. Again, the word made in Romans 5.19, Romans 5.19, for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. God's righteousness is not based on man's making himself righteous before God with his works. God's righteousness is based on God making a man righteous in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a righteousness which is called not our own righteousness. It's a special word that God uses to describe how he makes a person righteous, and that's the word imputed, imputed. This is the Abrahamic righteousness when it says in Genesis 15, 6, Genesis 15, 6, Abraham believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. This is not Abraham's righteousness. We know about Abraham's righteousness, He had a baby with Hagar that was not his wife. That's not righteous. He lied twice about Sarah not being his wife. That's not righteous. But he was made righteous by believing in the Lord. 
Philippians 3.9, Philippians 3.9 says that we should be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Abraham believed God. Abraham was not righteous himself. Abraham was made righteous, counted righteous because of what Jesus did to him. And this is what will happen with the, with the Jewish people when it says in Isaiah 54, 17, Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Now, how could every tongue that is raised against the Jewish people, every condemning tongue, every tongue that condemns them for their sin, how could they not be condemned? And the answer is, the answer is, God says in this verse, Isaiah 54, 17, their righteousness is of me. It's as this God saying, I made them righteous. You got a problem with it? Talk to me, not them. Because the righteousness for Israel is God's righteousness that is counted for them and this will be what will happen to them as they will say in Jeremiah 33, 16, Jeremiah 33, 16, in those days Judah shall be saved. Jerusalem shall dwell safely. This is the name wherewith she shall be called. The Lord our righteousness. Adonai Tzidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. This is a righteousness that's not based on our works, not based on their works. It's a righteousness that's based on one word, justification justification from Isaiah 53. The great thing about Isaiah 53 is that it doesn't talk very much about us. All it says about us, all it says about Israel is Isaiah 53, six. All we like sheep, Isaiah 53, six. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. But Isaiah 53 is centered on the sufferings of the Lord Jesus and the end result of those sufferings and death which is, verse 11, Isaiah 53, 11, my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. And this is what makes Isaiah 53 so wonderful, is that the chapter is all about what the Lord Jesus did for us. And the only reference to us is like how bad we are and how we were healed and how we were justified and how our sins were loaded on him and how he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities and that results in us getting a free gift of righteousness. Romans 5.18, Romans 5.18. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. And so, when you look at a verse like we're studying here in verse 20, I say unto you, except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, very easy to get it discouraged. It's very easy to look at verse 20 and say, my righteousness is gonna exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees? I don't think so. Because when it comes to my righteousness, I never made it to first base. I struck out at the plate. And I'm afraid I just can't make it. That's why it's so important to see that in verse 20 is not talking about our own personal righteousness, but the righteousness of the Lord Jesus that, that, that does exceed the righteousness described by the Pharisees that, 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 that counts as our righteousness when we believe into the Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for thinking of it all, and especially for thinking about how, how, how bad we are and how we really fall short. 
and then saying, it's okay, step aside. I have the righteousness of my righteous servant to be your righteousness. Thank you for doing this for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 